0: Good morning and welcome to Faithbrook Church. I'm Chrissy Thompson, our Kids and Family Director. We're so glad to have you here with us, whether you're in person or online, a welcome to you. And if you're here and you have been coming for a while, we want you to be more than just a face in the crowd. So would you please grab one of these blue connection cards, fill it out, drop it in the giving box on your way out. Or if you're online, you can do that digitally by going to faithbrook.church forward slash connect. And we look forward to getting to know you. Well, at Brook, we love God, we love people, and we journey together. And we have a couple opportunities for you to love God together coming up this week. We have this Friday our Good Friday experience. You have an opportunity to just do a drop-in event from 6 to 8 p.m. and you get to walk through the Stations of the Cross. You get to have this opportunity to reflect and think about what Jesus sacrificed for us. If you have younger kiddos that are gonna be wild, don't worry, we'll have a room for them, so you can enjoy the full experience. So that will be this Friday for Good Friday from 6 to 8 p.m., come when you can. And we also welcome you back for our Easter Sunday services. We will have two identical services at either the 9 or the 10.30 time. You can bring your kids, bring your family, and bring a friend. We look forward to helping you share the love of Jesus this Easter, either at 9 or 10.30. Let's now welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we continue our series,
1: Rescue. Do we have any blood donors in the house? Anybody give give blood? I periodically give blood. I get asked to give blood, and it's always an adventure, right? You go in there and they put you into a little room and they give you a survey about 50 different personal questions, right? Really, they're trying to figure out if your blood can qualify. Uh, They don't need to pass on blood that has been contaminated or polluted. And if you pass those those questions, then they move you over to the uh, the cot and they lay you down there and they put a tourniquet right, roll up your uh, sleeve. They thump on your veins, right, looking, and then uh, this won't hurt a little bit, Mr. Comfort, right? And they put that needle in there, and they start drawing blood. It's it's a beautiful thing, right? And so you behave yourself, and if you're a good patient, then you get to move on to the snack table. That's really what I enjoy, right? Take a couple of uh, cookies and uh, donuts and and be heading out of there. Did you know that only 3% of Americans donate blood? And ever since the pandemic, they are in urgent need of blood donors. In fact, I constantly get texts from the American Red Cross to come and help and donate blood. They know that blood is super vital to health and recovery. And blood is needed from everything from surgeries to cancer treatments. Because human blood is very special. It carries the essential nutrients to the body, for instance, oxygen, amino acids, glucose, and and antibodies to the bodies. The doctors say that human blood is not only a provider, but a protector. Now, what's remarkable is the experts say that every two seconds, somewhere in America, someone needs to give blood to rescue someone else from their medical Need. They need rescuers to help others in medical need. Well, we're talking about rescue in this Easter series for the last couple of weeks. And uh, I appreciate you coming in on this icy uh, Sunday morning. Maybe you're viewing, say, hey, I'm not getting out. I had my fill of snow yesterday. Uh, My back is still filling it from the snow yesterday. But we are surviving. And I do believe spring will be here in the next couple of weeks. Help us. Wow. Well, um, I'm looking forward to Sunday. Uh, Next Sunday is the most important Sunday of the year. Um, Please invite someone. It's going to be a great day. But today, we're talking about blood. Blood donations are very vital to rescue the physical body from diseases and even death, the same way God would use his blood to rescue the human soul. Now. God's blood was not the primary plan to rescue from the very beginning. If you read Genesis, you see that God's heart was to create this marvelous world and to give human beings uh, pleasures and joy. Uh, There was nothing negative on the earth, and he just wanted us to uh, enjoy his creation and honor and, and follow him. But he didn't want robots, and so he gave every human a soul. He gave every human free agency, to follow and to uh, behave themselves uh, because they wanted to, not because they had to. And so he, he put in place the tree of life and just gave these commandments. Hey, you can have it all, all right? But if you go over and eat that fruit, uh, there's going to be some consequences, and it's not going to be very pleasant. And you, many of you know the story that, that uh, they went took of the fruit, and of all of a sudden, things changed drastically, Sin came into this earth, and with sin, there was consequences. And part of those consequences is that we, all human beings, are born with a selfish nature, if you will, a sinful will. You don't have to teach kids to be selfish. They just kind of naturally do that from the very beginning. And part of that sin consequences from the fall is even physical death. The Apostle Paul kind of wrapped it up in Romans when he says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all have sinned. Now, it is true that human beings, every human being has the capacity to do good, believe it or not, and to follow God. In fact, you can turn to the person next to you and say, you have the capacity to do good, all right? Uh, But a lot of times... We always have this pull, this bent nature that still wants to kind of do it our way. We'd rather do it our way than God's way, and we just kind of want ourselves to be first. Before you know it, some of this sinful nature can manifest itself in things like pride, hate, anger, greed, lust, idolatry, and before we know it, We are not living up to the standards. God's won us from the very beginning. Paul, again, in Romans says, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all fallen uh, the standard that God has made for us. And before you know it, we have a moral and spiritual dilemma. We have a a disease of the soul of sin that we need rescued you from. If you don't believe that mankind has a, a sinful problem, just look at the headlines. How often are we angered or disappointed because of crime and war and abuse and division and hate, but God has not given up on human beings. In fact, God had a rescue plan and this rescue plan had a lot to do with blood. If you go into the old Testament and new Testament, you'll see a lot of indications where blood is needed. One of the most historical uh, stories about blood being needed was in the Exodus story, uh, when the Hebrews were were being enslaved by Pharaoh, and God uh, called Moses to pull the people out. In fact, I saw the Ten Commandments were on last night. Again, this beautiful movie about this biblical story, and so there's... Um, hard-hearted Pharaoh and God is bringing these plagues. And finally, God brings the plague of death. He warns the Egyptians, the Hebrews, that if you do not apply the blood, then the angel of death is coming to your home and they're going to kill the firstborn child. And so God told Moses to tell the people this, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over. This is where we get the the um, notion of the Passover for the Jewish people. No destructive plagues will touch you when I strike Egypt. So God instructed them, if you want the angel death to pass over, if you want salvation, if you want to be saved from death, then you need to take a lamb and you need to slaughter it and you need to dab the blood of that lamb on your doorpost, on the top and on the sides. That will be an indication to the, to the, the angel of death, that you are complying with God and and you will be saved and will pass over you and pass on. What's remarkable is that there was a foreshadowing of God's rescue plan with his son on the cross. Blood on the top where Christ's brow was broken by the thorns and his hands pierced on the cross. Now, eventually, the ceremonial law and the sacrificial system would be instituted in the Jewish people in the Old Testament. They would have to practice appeasing God by blood offerings, that they would have to bring a a valuable livestock, nothing of the runt, nothing uh, low class, but high class to prove to God that they are sorry for their sins. And they would uh, periodically, and especially once a year, have the Day of Atonement. Leviticus, it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that atones by the life. It is the blood that atones. So if you, you read the Old Testament, you'll, you'll see that they had their temples, their church, and, and there would be the priests and there would be an altar back in the Holy of Holies and to appease God for their sins, uh, they would have to have a blood sacrifice. And there on that altar, the lamb would be slain and blood would flow and it would be a sign to God that we are sorry for their, our days, our, our sins. And eventually the, there would be one main day, the, the Day of Atonement. Now, the Jewish people still... Um, have a tradition of this as Yom Kippur they use today. It's one of the two holy days that means a lot to Jewish people because they realized on that day, the day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, that the priest was going to have to pray to God on their behalf, that God would overlook, uh, forgive their their sins because something has to be sacrificed. In those days, it was a, a, a precious expensive lamb or livestock that would have to be slaughtered to make Atonement. Now, we don't use the word atonement much, but it means to satisfy something. We uh, may be heard of reparations. Uh, that's what it means, reparations, because something's been damaged. Something's been hurt or injured, and there has to be a, a something that amends the injury, the harm, the offense. And this is what atonement means, to, to make atonement for our souls, for our sins. Because my friends, sin has to be reckoned with. It has to be atoned for, or we're in jeopardy of being consequented. Now, a lot of times, I would submit to you that, that a lot of times, we overestimate our righteousness and underestimate God's holiness. In other words, if, if you if you say, well, are you a good person? Are you a righteous person? Uh, you would say, well, when I look around, you know, I am a pretty good person, right? I'm not killing people, and I'm doing drugs, and... You know, I'm pretty nice. And so we kind of elevate our righteousness. But few times do we look into the word of God and contrast it to God's standard of his holiness. And before we know, we're like, man, you know, we're not living like God wants us to live. We might have put other things before God and so forth. And we find ourselves that we do have a gap and a problem. Uh, a friend of mine, a minister was sharing that uh, he was on an airplane a couple months ago and he met this nice guy and they uh, struck up a conversation and they were kind of trading where they're from and what they do for a living. And, and my, my friend uh, shared that he's, he's a minister in, in a church. And, and this gentleman was like, "Oh well, uh, tell me about your church and, and the guy wanted to invite him to his church. He said, "Well I have to tell you that I'm a, a practicing homosexual. I'm a gay man in and, and, and a relationship. And then he asked this minister friend of mine and says, well, what would your church think of me, uh, a gay man coming into your church? What would your church think? Well, uh, kind of put my friend on the spot. He paused and he responded this way. My friend, the question isn't what my church thinks of your homosexuality. The, the, really, the question is, what does God think? of your homosexuality. And he went on to explain to him, he says, you know, that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, it's not so much of what the pastors thinks or the church thinks, it's what God thinks. And he invited this gentleman to look in for himself because he said, I'm not your judge. Uh, the churches are not your judge. It's the holy God who is our judge. Find out for yourself. And he shared that I've found that, that in my sin, I don't measure up. None of us measure up to God's sin. That's why we need a savior, a rescuer in our life. We have all fallen short. When you look in the Bible, you'll see that there's a consequence for sins. Paul puts it this way in Romans 6. The wages of sin is death. It's just not physical death. But there is a separation. There is a damnation that comes to our life, an eternal consequence. Now, this is where it gets tricky any time you start talking about eternal damnation or even the word hell. Uh, many times ministers, including myself, we try to avoid this subject. It's not very popular, right? Uh, most people don't believe in it, even though Jesus is the one that talked about it the most, that there is an eternal consequence um, that can happen in our life. Barna survey group went out and surveyed um, Americans and asked, How many of you believe that you're going to hell? They found that only a half a percent of the American population thought they would be going to hell 0.5%. Everyone's going somewhere else, someplace better. Most people are like, That doesn't even exist. It's a strange concept. And maybe even offensive, um, prickly concept to even kind of preach or teach about. One of the things that's helped me is kind of share uh, uh, to identify God like a coin. Uh, anybody know what a quarter is, right? Uh, we, we, we trust in this. This thing is a coin. It, it, it's a quarter. But we know that this coin has two sides. We call it heads and we call it tails, right? And most of the time, we only talk about one side of God. That God is merciful, God is loving, God is grace. Uh, This is so true. He is loving. He wants to pardon. He does care and love. But few of us turn the coin over and say, God is also just. God is also divine. God is also holy. And holiness has to be respected when it comes to our choices in life. See, if you are a holy, loving God, then, then when sin mocks you and when sin damages people around you, your holiness and your love has to engage and address the sin and the injury that has happened against your holiness and to the creation that you have provided. See, if you are the real creator and you love the people that you created, and then you see people getting hurt and you do nothing and say, oh, that's okay, I'm a loving, gracious God, go ahead and continue to hurt people, then you're really not holy. You're really not loving. Let's say, for instance, you're in Washington DC and you're visiting the uh, Lincoln Memorial. Everybody know what the Lincoln Memorial is? It's probably one of the most sacred, if you will, uh, monuments to uh, Americans. They they protect it, it's pristine, it's made out of marble. And all of a sudden, somebody comes in there with a spray paint and a hammer, and they say, you know, I feel like I just want to graffiti uh, my words on the Lincoln Memorial. Now, what would your reaction be? Would you say something? Would it make you a little bit angry? And they say, you know, I feel like I'm chipping chip, chip away at it. Who cares, right? That's your opinion. I have my opinion. Who makes you God? I'm going to do whatever I want, and I'm going to start chipping away. You would probably react and say, you cannot do that. That's not right, right? And they say, oh, I'm sorry. I, I'll quit that. The next day, they say, well, I got away with it that time. I'm going go in there, and we're going to do it again somewhere, hopefully, there would be an indignation in you, a patriotism in you, and say, no, that's wrong, and there has to be a consequence. Cops, come and get them. Penalize those for harming this precious, sacred monument. This is the essence of God's holy love. If you are truly a good God, if you're truly the creator and you're truly holy and people can just stick their fists in your face and you go like, wow, I'm, I'm just so gracious and loving. I would never send anybody to hell and I'm a good God. He's like, you're not God then. You're not really loving. I can harm people. I can kill people. I can damage people. And it's like, well, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be okay. We'll just figure it all out. No, your holiness and your love would say, I'm engaging here. God's love demands consequences. In fact, if God did not consequent people for their sin, he would be unjust. It would not be who he is. It would not be loving to just say, look back and say, well, I'm sorry, I didn't see that. Everyone gets a free pass. No, you'd say, engage. Your nature says something has to be addressed. Something has to be addressed or atoned for. And this is why the rescue plan is so important. And for years, the way people would atone and engage would be the animal sacrifices to appease God for their sin, for their offenses. But in the fullness of time, God would come to the rescue. God would come and there would be a final rescue of his blood. John three sixteen, and especially 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. In fact, if you go back to that Lincoln... Um, uh, um, offense to the monument, if you engaged a person, would you say you hate that person? No, you wouldn't hate that person, but just your nature would say something has to be needed. You would address it. And God doesn't hate sinners. He loves sinners, but he sees the sin that has to be addressed. And so that's why he came, not to condemn people, but to save the world through him. And whoever believes in him will not be condemned. There is no eternal damnation. But whoever does not believe stands condemned. And God would send his beloved son for the atonement, for the rescue. And Christ would crawl up on a cruel cross and pay a high price. You see, my friends, from the very beginning that sin entered this world, Jesus was the plan. Jesus was the rescue plan. It is the only religion that the, the supreme being doesn't make people come to him but he came to us as the rescue plan for atonement and salvations. The animal sacrifices and the blood, they were good for a time, but Jesus said there's going to be a new way. It's going to be by my passionate love for you. He came for you and me to atone for our sins if we would receive and if we would believe. His death and blood was the rescue plan. Now, there's lots of blood notations in the Bible. In fact, they said the Bible is a book of blood, and blood circulates through every page and chapter in the Bible. Uh, they say in the New Testament that the word blood is three times more used than the word cross, and the word blood is used five times more than the phrase death of Christ. Because blood is the central force in the rescue plan. Now, what's interesting in the medical field, when it comes to blood, they cannot manufacture human blood. You can't uh, somehow duplicate from a machine human blood. It still has to take a human blood to transfer their blood to save someone else's life. the same way we cannot manufacture our own salvation or rescue through our good efforts. It would take a divine, holy, pure blood to intercede for our sins, our offenses against God. That's why crosses are so important. If you see churches, many of them, including ours, display crosses, this is a notation or symbol of God's love, but also the blood that was sacrificed for us. And when that blood was shed by Christ through on the cross, three things happened. Or three things can happen. Number one, forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness. Jesus tried to share this when he came to the, the Lord's Supper and, and introducing the elements. He says, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. See, this is the most magical, supernatural miracle that happens by faith, that God so loved us. If we truly or sincerely repent of our sins, God comes in supernaturally and wipes clean our offenses, wipes cleans our sins, that we are washed clean, come out whole, fresh, and free. He has forgiven our sins, believe it or not. In fact, the psalmist says that he separates our sins as far as the east is from the west. We might remember our sins. We might have some regrets. But in God's mind, he so loved it, it's clean. We are no more. There's no more combination in him. And so when Jesus, like, here's the holy elements, and when we take especially the, the cup, we're remembering the fantastic, awesome privilege of being forgiven by a holy God who we are accountable to, And we are made free and forgiven. New birth, new life comes in forgiveness. Have you ever been forgiven? Off the hook? I'm free. I'm clean. Second thing that happens is as we are reconciled with God. There's been an offense. There's some estrangement. There's some awkwardness. And we know we're kind of guilty. But because of that blood, our relationship is brought back together. Paul tried to explain this in Colossians. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. Because of his blood, that reconciliation, that means something is mended, something is healed. If there's been a relationship, And all of a sudden, we have reconciliation. There's some ownership there, and there's some rightness. There's some justification that happens when we are reconciled, and that relationship is made at peace. Another thing that happens is that we are redeemed. Redeemed means that something is bought back. Something has been kidnapped, something has been abused or imprisoned, and then someone has to come and restore it. Someone has to come and rescue it. That's what means redemption means. Again, the Apostle Paul, him who have redemption through what? His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. See, God so loved us. He says, man, I'm coming to buy you back. I know that sin has deceived you. I know sin has imprisoned you. I know sin has kidnapped you. Uh, and, and you're going down a, a hole that, that you have regrets. You have shame. You have guilt. You're in bondage. But I've come and prayed my blood to redeem you wholly. I'm willing to pay that high price on the cross. We're not going with animals anymore. We're not going with good efforts and religion and all this kind of stuff. We're going with my sheer goodness of God's blood. That's why Good Friday is so important. That's why we invite you this Friday. Just take time to contemplate that and take your time. There's interactive uh, stations that you and your family can just uh, meditate and worship. But all ties back to the blood. When we learn the blood is applied, we are reconciled with God. We are forgiven by God and we are redeemed by his blood. Now, all this blood talk might make you a little queasy, I understand, because blood can be kind of messy, right? If you work with blood or around blood, it just kind of gets everywhere. And there was blood all over Christ's cross. Now, you go to modern day churches like us, you'll, you'll see nice, clean crosses like this. It, it, it's not very uh, bloody, right, and, and smooth and, and, and pretty. I appreciate sometimes our, our Catholic friends, they don't have smooth, pretty crosses. Because they're accentuating the the sacrifice of Christ, the crucifixion. And sometimes we forget the pain that Christ went through. We forget that the the cross was full of blood. His his back was opened up by 39 whippings and slashes when they hung him on that cross. We forget about the the thorns that were just oozing blood around his head. We forget about the the nails that were piercing his wrists and his hands. And and he was a mess and it was ugly and it it was everywhere. And that's the picture that God wants us to remember because it's part of the rescue plan. Growing up, uh, my parents took me to this this church in town and and uh, it was kind, of, kind of had a country flair to it. And I remember the cross uh, on uh, front of their uh, sanctuary. And it didn't look like that. It looked like someone, somebody put some two-by-fours together. And they put it up there. And then they wanted to just explain that cross. And so somebody took some red paint. And they kind of blotched it on the sides and on the top. And then they kind of put in some like janky uh, construction nails into the, the sides there. And as a seven-year-old, I was kind of looking up in there. I was like, ooh that looked kind of uh, graphic to me. I was like, look how red that blood is. I that I was blood everywhere, I'll never forget it, right? And a lot of times we, we miss out on a clear picture of God's bloodstained cross for us, his rescue plan. And a lot of times we, we think uh, blood, it, it leads to death and it did lead to death. And many times we think, well, that's a symbol of death. But in reality, Christ's blood leads to life. It improves our hearts and our minds and our everyday life because it is in his blood that has the power. And there's incredible value in God's blood. It gives life. The old timers used to sing a hymn called There's Power in the Blood. Wonder-working power in the blood, the precious blood of the the Lamb. What are they talking about? There's power in the blood. Well, just as humans know the power of a blood transfusion, they know this person is weak. They know this person is, is up against it. And when there's fresh, pure, life-giving human blood, it perks the body up. It helps the body to be refreshed and made anew. And that's the power of God's blood that can happen in our life. And when the power of the blood of Jesus comes into us, transformation happens or can happen. I appreciate what Pastor Peggy said last week in in God's rescue plan. God's rescue plan was not just from damnation and hell, certainly. But she said, from something, but for something. It's not just from, but for something. What is that? The Apostle Paul shared to the Corinthian church, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become what? The righteousness of God. Can you imagine having a spirit and an attitude of the righteousness of God? I think it begins to realize that when we have peace with God, that we, when our consciousness is clear, our soul is clear, we have nothing to hide. Before you know it, this transformation can happen in our life that our heads are up. There's confidence. There's no regrets now. There's freedom. There's wholeness. There can even be joy and laughter because we are free. God is transforming us. Now, if you believe that, that there is a God, if you believe that we have fallen short of the glory of God, if you believe that we are in trouble, that we have to be, we have to, uh, our sin has to be reckoned with, and God's penalty is eternal damnation. We're in trouble, and all of a sudden, someone kind of bails you out and says, No, I'll pay your price. Uh, you are free because I'm willing to pay your price on the cross. Would that make you a little bit happy? Would that make you have a little bit joy? And the more we think about that, the more we understand that, man, that's the power and the force. In fact, that's, that's part of church life, that's part of my personality. You know, people ask me all the time, How are you doing? And I say this, and it's from Dave Ramsey, really, I'm doing better than I deserve. And they kind of cock their head. And, I don't hear that. Off. What? I'm doing better than I deserve. And some people get it. Because on my mind, I'm saying, man, I'm deemed to go to hell. But because God so loved me, God has saved me, I'm having a good day. How about you? Right? It's a whole attitude change when we realize how God loves us and is willing to take our penalty. Before we know it, it goes deeper. It becomes our identity That before we know it, we're a child of God. I don't know who you are, but I'm a child of God. My my daddy is God Almighty. Who's your daddy, right? And the spirit of his love and grace flows through in me. Before I know it, I think a little bit different. I act a little bit different, right? Before I know it, care, love, understanding starts oozing out of me, right? Patience, grace, uh, forgiveness comes a little bit easier. Guess why? Because God forgave me. Who am I? Who am I to judge you, man? I'm just one sinner that found uh, the, the rescue plan, that found salvation. You want to help me share that to other people? Before you know it, I know this is a stretch, but you start realizing that life's not all about you. It's not about your, my attention and getting what I want, but now it becomes, God, what do you want? How can I glorify you? Sure, we still have the selfish nature Sure, we, we we have a temptation, to always want to be selfish and do our thing and maybe compromise. Absolutely. But even then, the power of the blood helps us to say no. The power of the blood to stay focused on Christ. See, I believe that it's truly, if we apply the blood, the transformation, the power of God, then we live differently. And I believe, I know this you might think it's a little crazy, that People would want us to be at their neighborhoods, be at their neighborhood or their workplaces and in their schools, because I think that Christians should be the most maybe positive, hopeful, forgiving, uh, cheerful people, right? Sometimes Christians are the most negative, judgmental, grumpy kind of people, right? But man, I'm doing better than I deserve. I've been freed from hell and damnation, man. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, man. Well, How are you doing? And I think people are attracted to that because of the power of the blood. Also, the blood can be a unifier, a unifier. You know, a lot of times we have a lot of racial tensions in America today. Our cultures really magnified the differences, right? Uh, your background, your skin color, right? Where you're from, right? And, and we just want to put people in categories, right? And, and really uh, accentuate, uh, the, especially uh, color of your skin. But if you took 10 people from different countries, different cultures, different languages, different skin colors, and you laid them out and you all sliced their veins open, do you know what color their blood would all run Every human being's blood is the same color. We are all from God's family, the human race that he began. And a lot of times it's through the blood if we know that that God can unify us. In fact, we see a picture of this in the revelations in the, um, the heaven after God returns. And they sing a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open up its seals. For you were slain, and by your what blood, you ransom the people for God from every tribe, every language, and people, and nations. Oh, my friends, when we realize that we all bleed the same color of blood, we're all from God's family. Before we know it, it unifies us. What what in the business do we have to try to fight each other and to uh, uh, discriminate or uh, be prejudiced against someone with a different exterior? When we realize that God's value is not the exterior. God's value is the interior, where the heart and the soul is. You're my brother and sister. One day we're going to be in heaven together, and it's not going to be division. It's not going to be, oh, here's your skin color. We're all brothers and sisters, family of God, and we knew that back on earth when all our blood was the same color. And before you know it, we start realizing that we, this blood gives us access to the holy of holies, God almighty. The Hebrew writer says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter into the holy place by what? By the blood of Jesus. Jesus' blood was the currency that Jesus poured out in obedience obedience to his father that brought us access to God. And before we know it, we can uh, intercede for things that are bothering us. We can intercede for people and circumstances. In fact, I I would raise it up a little higher that we can plead the blood of Jesus on things around us. We can claim the blood of Jesus for our families, for our kids, for our communities, for our problems. We can plead the blood of Jesus over our insecurities, over our wounds. Isaiah said it well, and by his stripes we are healed. It's by his blood, it's by his sacrifice, by his love, that we don't have to live in the damage anymore. We don't have to live in the wounds. It's by his blood, it's like a salve. It's like a healing medicine that can heal us, not only physically, but especially emotionally and spiritually. We don't have to always be hearkened to the addiction or the pride or the lust, but God can transform us, and we can pray for people. Uh, I like what Devin Gray says. We ought to let the blood of Jesus splatter all over everything, right? Claiming and pleading the blood of Jesus for our, our, uh, our issues and our afflictions and our problems. That's who God's blood is. So, God's blood gives us life. It, it starts in the heart, it, it, it moves over to our mind and our behaviors. It's about, all about his death and the blood that was his rescue plan. Now, friends, there's a lot of value and benefits and assets to this, this blood. He, if, you, uh, if you will, you can have atonement that brings forgiveness, brings redemptions, and ultimately it transforms us. But this doesn't come automatically. Just because you show up to church, just because you might be watching online, just because you believe in God doesn't happen automatically. You have to do your part, and your part is to receive it by faith, to receive it by faith. You have to acknowledge, man, I'm in trouble. (laughs) I'm not going anywhere, and I know I got some sins, and so God, by faith, I, I, I receive you to come in to wash away what that preacher talked about, what that Bible talked about, to wash away my sins, and new birth starts happening by his blood. I'm going to close in this remarkable story. I, I heard about in Christianity Day. About two medical missionary doctors. who went to a, a very primitive place out in the bush. And they wanted to uh, love these people. And set up a, a medical clinic. A hospital. And also share about the love of Christ. Pa, Dr. Paul Brand. And Dr. Rivas Bretz. They went to this country. And pretty soon, there was a 12-year-old little girl that was brought in. She was injured, and she was bleeding out. They immediately put her into surgery. They stitched her up, but she was very weak, and they realized that she needed some blood. They only had two pints in their storage, but she really needed three, or she was in jeopardy. And so the doctors came out and gathered the family and said, your little girl... It might be saved, but we are short on her blood. We need someone in the family here to donate another pint of blood, or, or she's in jeopardy of, of dying. Well, the, the family uh, huddled together and, and they, they were talking, and the doctor was like, Let's go, we, we need someone. And, and all of a sudden, the, the, the family pushed out this frail little female grandma type. Here you go. And the doctors looked at her and said, she's barely healthy herself. And all of a sudden there was an indignation, this, this frustration and anger and started looking, especially at the men of the family. What, what gives? Someone needs blood and, and this is what you're offering? We don't even know, she, she's gonna survive and that's all she gave up. And time was of the essence. Finally, uh, Dr. Brett rolled up his sleeve and he said to his colleague, give me the needle. I will not let this girl perish just because of these cowardly men as he stared at the men of the family. Bran got the needle and plunged the needle into Revis's vein and a rich stream of precious red blood poured into that bottle. As soon as that family saw that blood coming into that bottle, they stepped back in shock and awe. And one of the family members cried out, The medical doctor is giving his life for this girl because in their mind to give blood mean to to give your life you would die if you gave your blood my friends that's exactly what jesus christ did on the cross for us he so loved us that he's willing to die for our sins, to atone for our sins, that we can be free, we can be forgiven, we can be uh, made anew in him. It is the greatest message in the world. It is the gospel. No other entity in the world can give us that kind of hope and love and eternal resolve. What will you do with it? Can I give you a couple things as you go home today? I wanna encourage you to have a clear picture of the blood-stained cross of Jesus Christ. A clear picture. Would you try to remember every time you see a cross on a church or on on the roads, wherever, to not only see the resurrection, that he's not there anymore, but he was there. And there was blood on that cross for you and me to get a clear picture of a blood-stained cross. The second thing, would you practice pleading the blood of Jesus Christ over things? Maybe you know someone that's up against it physically. Maybe you know some marriage that's, that's in the balance. Maybe you have a grandchild or a child that they're just hurting and, and they're far and you don't know how to pray, you don't know how to resolve this, but you claim the value and the power of the blood over them that God's blood would be splattered, the the supernatural divine uh, uh, value would intercede on these needs. And really the power of the blood, the the plead the blood over your sins. If you've never done that before, if you're like, man, I might be in jeopardy of eternal damnation. I've probably fallen short of the glory of God. If that is true, then I need to rescue. I need something to atone for my sins. And by faith, I want to say yes to Jesus Christ. You can do that right now. You can do that in your home or where you're at watching this today and be new in Jesus Christ. We just would ask that you let us know that you made that decision. So I invite you to pray and we'll close out. Let's stand together. gracious God, on this Palm Sunday, we see that picture of you coming in on that humble donkey. People were flooding you with praise. There was palms. They were thinking that you were going to take over the world, and they would be back in power province against the, the Roman Empire. But God, you had another plan. The greatest need wasn't a a political uh, uprising. The greatest need wasn't a a, a militarily or a a physical change, it was their hearts. And you you knew you were the only one that were qualified to be the last blood sacrifice. And you would allow yourself to be falsely accused and hung on that cross. We commemorate that this holy day. Now, Father, as we go, help us to be different. Help us to live different, and every time we see that symbol of our hope, of the resurrection, the empty cross, help us never forget about the blood that was stained on that cross on our behalf. And God, help us to live in such faith and confidence in you that we plead the blood over people that are hurting today. Difficult circumstances, God. We don't have to live in our own power, our own talent, our own solutions, God, but there's a higher power, and it's by that blood we pray. Help these good people and myself, God, be your ambassadors this week. We love you. We need you. And we pray all these things in your good name. Amen.